Hey, hey, welcome to your Creative Best Podcast. I'm your host, Cherish Brown, and I hope this episode finds you well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we will get into part two of Humans in Crisis. We're going to talk about loss and grief. Now, I know that's not something a lot of us want to discuss, but I think it's something that we should all be knowledgeable in, especially with the times we are experiencing. If you are fortunate enough to not have been personally impacted by COVID-19, Chances are you still know someone who has. And if it's not the loss of a person, maybe you or someone you know is dealing with the loss of a family business, a job, or a major project. Maybe you're even grieving the loss of your normal life dynamic and daily routine. We're all experiencing some degree of sudden change. So I was really happy to sit down with Meg Eifrig, who specializes in grief therapy. We talked about what grief is, how it may present differently from person to person, why it's important to grieve, and how we can support others who may be having a difficult time. Here's our conversation. My name is Meg Eifrig, and I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. I work with adults, adolescents, and families who struggle with issues related to grief, loss, adoption, and anxiety. I earned my death and grief certification at the Center for Loss and Life Transition under the direction of Dr. Ellen Walfelt. Um, I've also completed an advanced clinical certificate in adoption um, through the Center for Adoption Support and Education. And I also have some training in EMDR. And I have my own private practice, which is in Oak Brook, Illinois. Wow, that's awesome. So how did you come to do this <laughs> you know when you're a kid did you say this is what I want to do I actually my undergraduate degree is in magazine journalism wow <laughs> <laughs> and then trying to figure out what I wanted to do I ended up just working at different nonprofits. eventually ended up as a tourism manager at Unity Temple in Oak Park. I really just discovered that I liked talking to the volunteers about their grandkids, about their family. I liked just connecting with people. So that kind of led me to going back to get my graduate degree. The grief focus kind of happened because my first semester or first year in grad school, my dad was killed in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And um, that really just shifted everything for me. I was I don't know exactly what I thought I would do with my um, graduate degree. I was focusing on like career counseling or something that seemed um, light, I guess I would say. Yeah. So that definitely changed what I was planning on doing. And then less than five years after that, um, I had just graduated from my master's program. And then my mom got sick and she died of cancer. Mm. So... In my early 30s, I spent a lot of time processing my own grief, uh, seeking out counseling and support, yeah. and just did everything I could to tend to my own stuff. So now in my private practice, I just feel really honored to sit with people who experience similar traumatic losses yeah, and just kind of help them find ways to move through that. Wow. So how do we define grief? What is it? So grief is our unique response to loss. Whenever our attachments are threatened, we experience grief. 
So it's our internal thoughts and feelings to losing what we loved or valued. Okay. And grief can affect us emotionally, cognitively, physically, socially, and spiritually. When I'm running groups, I always make sure to talk about that because I think it can be so disorienting when we experience a loss that we don't even know what's happening, right? And so when we kind of put it into like this frame, like, well, emotionally, everyone knows that cognitively, people can't think straight, Mm. you know, can't concentrate. Physically, we're tired, we're heavy, we might have some social disconnect, and spiritually. So I think that those are important to think about. Okay, so is it possible that a person can experience something traumatic or a loss and they not be aware that they are grieving? Is grief something that you have to self-initiate, so to speak, or is it something that just naturally happens and maybe you're aware of it, maybe you aren't? Well, grief and trauma are separate things, but they do often go hand in hand. Um, So if we're talking just about grief, I think that, yeah, when we look at So when I talk about the types of losses, Mm -hmm. um, ambiguous loss is basically what we're all experiencing right now. And that is something that, as you're saying, we can maybe not be aware of it, right? So as soon as people started naming, hey, what's going on right now is we're all experiencing grief. Then I feel like everyone was like, oh, right, that's exactly what I'm feeling. Thank you. Um, And so ambiguous losses are losses that are grieved but are not necessarily a death so that can also be alzheimer's mental illness addiction and adoption Mm. Um, and so through this what we're experiencing now there's you know other losses like loss of income loss of our dreams of the future support systems Um, and then of course all the things that people are grieving right now like our celebrations once in a lifetime vacations concerts, Mm -hmm. connecting with people, our sense of safety and security. Yeah. What are the different ways that people cope with with losses? Um, Like you said earlier, when you define grief, you said it's a unique response to Mm -hmm. a loss. So everyone grieves differently. So what are some of the ways that that sort of manifests itself? This is true. So we all have this sort of commonality of grief, but we do experience it differently. And that can depend on our personalities. That can depend on um, the type of losses that we have Mm -hmm. and our family systems and the type of support we get. Um, So there are some people that, and I think it's very common that try to avoid grief um, because who wants to feel terrible, right? So We can temporarily avoid grief through immersing ourselves in distraction, work, keeping busy, Mm -hmm. um, substances, Mm -hmm. and other harmful behaviors. Um, And keeping busy is, you know, it's a lot of what our culture wants to do. The problem with that is that ultimately, you know, grief is waiting for you. You can't suspend it forever, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, you could do that for 10 years if you want. But at some point, there's going to have to be, you know, hopefully a, a crossroads that you come to. And while, you know, many may say this doesn't compare to the loss of a, a loved one or that type of loss, but even high schoolers or college students that planned on having a traditional ceremony, 
mm-hmm. and graduating with their family and the audience, you know, cheering them on, mm-hmm. they won't get that. Well, I mean, I think it's very important for us all to acknowledge this, right? Yeah. So part yeah. of grief and the grief that you're talking about with losing these um, traditions and celebrations is is acknowledging, like, this, this is what's happening. And I think that um, we can't really process it until we've at first acknowledged that this is a difficult process. Yeah. Um, and it's a healthy part of grieving is to acknowledge and then experience the sadness. Hmm. Um, and, you know, luckily we have the technology now that we can connect with others, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, the high schoolers are connecting to each other virtually to talk about it, um, yeah. what it's like for them. So how important wow. is it to grieve? The important role of grief. Yeah. It's very, it's very important. Yeah. Um, so people who are able to express all of their feelings um, as early as possible are generally more likely to grow through the mourning process. Mm. The deep feelings of grief must be felt and experienced and yeah. then shared. Yeah. Um, so one of the quotes that I like by Dr. Wolfelt, who's my mentor, um, he says, if we don't authentically mourn life losses, we do not live well and we do not love well. Mm. I'm stuck thinking about that now. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what like you're I'm thinking. Just, yeah, because I, I know how... Like you were saying earlier, just how busy we are as a society and how rushed mm-hmm. we are. I just wonder what happens when we don't give ourselves an opportunity to sit and just the uncertainty or the disappointment or whatever it is that we feel about what's happened. You know, mm-hmm. so many people have canceled their weddings, you know, or they haven't right. seen their grandparents in two months or they lost a loved one. You know, that... Mm-hmm. That doesn't just erase overnight. You know what I mean? So I, I just wonder how many people are giving themselves a chance to authentically grieve and, and, and be better for it. And I know the obvious answers, you know, well, who wants to be sad? You know, who wants to sit and think about all the sad things? So what's, what's the balance there of handling the grief of a situation without it becoming too much or unhealthy if that makes sense I don't know if I'm saying it right no it makes sense I think maybe one way to frame it is mm-hmm. to um, just talk about how our understanding of grief has evolved mm-hmm. so we now know that grief is not linear and it doesn't happen in five or six stages okay. so one grief model that I like that works well is called the dual process model and mm-hmm. it basically means that we need to oscillate back and forth between um, between loss stressors and restoration stressors, like a fan. Mm. So loss stressors are like the thinking and the processing of the loss in the relationship and working through hard emotions. And that's kind of authentically mourning, right? Mm-hmm. But the restoration stressors are tending to life changes that the grief has created. And it could also be distracting yourself from time to time. Okay. So basically we can't be in one of those experiences all the time where we get into trouble. So alternating from confronting the loss and avoiding it is actually healthy. Okay, got it. What, what would you say to those people who have lost loved ones 
and um, during this current crisis, and they weren't able to visit them in a hospital or have a public celebration of life for them, mm-hmm. you know? What piece of anything could you offer to those? Well, I mean, I would say similarly to what we mentioned before about technology, I mean, this is really our only way of connection at this point. Some people are having virtual funerals. Um, People can maybe record themselves reading a poem or a eulogy. You know, maybe they can connect in real time. I think mainly focusing on reaching out and connecting with other people. We can't gather in public, but we can still gather, you know, virtually or you know, we can also write letters to each other, like mm-hmm. send sympathy cards um, to support people. It's just a lot harder. And I really, f- I feel heartbroken for the people that are struggling with the death right now. Yeah. What would you say to those who are maybe having to juggle what to cope with today for the family that um, maybe they did lose somebody or maybe they someone was just sick for a lot of weeks, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they closed the business and then... Um, they're dealing with a lot of transition and a lot of loss all at once to the point where they can't focus just on one thing because they have children or people to look out for. So how do you handle maybe coping with the loss of multiple things at once? Well, I would say, you know, taking care of yourself, which sounds kind of um, overstated or, yeah. Um, at this point. Um, but grief is mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. And, mm-hmm. and trying to navigate the multiple losses is an overwhelm to our system. So it's important mm-hmm. to do everything we can to get sleep, rest, and eat well. Um, it can really take a toll on us. So, you know, other resources are like meditation, stepping outside, um, maybe just out of your front door for a little bit um taking deep breaths and um some people like to do yoga there's there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that we know that we need to do to take care of ourselves and it's just a matter of i think making that commitment to yourself um and of course reaching out for others and asking for help taking a couple steps back to the ambiguous losses that we've Mm -hmm. been talking about how can people acknowledge when they need to give it a minute and actually acknowledge, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they're just moving too fast and, and, and brushing mm-hmm. grief under the rug or just trying to avoid it, what are those self checkers, if if you will, or those indicators within ourselves that maybe there's something that we need to deal with that we're avoiding? Well, um, grief can manifest in our bodies, mm-hmm. right? So we might have trouble sleeping we might have tightness in our chest Mm -hmm. we might just feel depressed all the time and we're not quite sure why or anxiety you know so um in terms of sort of accessing that you know checking in with yourself maybe asking yourself like what's going on right now what's happening for me why am i unhappy or angry frustrated i I think anger is also a common response just generally being irritated Mm -hmm. um you know, in, in ways to manage that, obviously, is individual therapy or um, journaling. Yeah. yeah. Um, different ways that you can get at it. Um, I also think it's important to say that, you know, people 
do what they need to do until they're ready, right? So mm-hmm. the being busy coping mechanism is something that people are going to do until they're, it doesn't work for them anymore. Yeah. What would you say the benefit is in having a grief counselor? I guess I would say I personally aim to create a very safe space for people mm-hmm. um, where they can feel very open and acknowledge um, what they're going through. And you yeah. know, I've come to realize that even though maybe I'm sitting in silence with them or I'm not talking a lot, which is, you know, actually a good thing to not talk a lot as a therapist, but mm. um, that this might be the only place, the only hour that this person has in a whole week to be yeah. able to talk yeah. about their grief because maybe they don't want to burden their family members or yeah. their friends. So I, I guess I would say like it, it, it can really help give that authentic healing space for people mm-hmm. to not be judged, to be able to say anything that's on their mind, you know, because sometimes we have thoughts that come up in our grief that we don't really want to tell anyone about, right? Yeah, yeah. How can we um, support one another and and have those conversations? I guess I would say, I mean, in some ways it's similar to what we've talked about. I think it's important to normalize each other's feelings yeah. and, yeah. and listen actively um, yeah. and just allow people to be as they are without trying to change, fix, or give advice. You know, I mean, I think if you're talking about coming back to work and being around each other, you know, it's just going to be maybe a collective conversation if possible mm-hmm. about what losses have you endured? How has this been for you? Yeah because losses must be affirmed and acknowledged before they can be integrated into our systems. Mm. And I love that term active listening and I've used it and I probably didn't know what I was even talking about, but it seemed to fit. How would you define active listening? Well, I think that kind of, you know, it goes back to listening to someone, again, not trying to solve the problem, offer a solution or fix it. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, not sharing a story like I have that story, too. You should, you know, you should yeah. hear what I have to say, because often we're in our heads already. Right. And so yeah. we're thinking about, well, what are we going to say? Right. So an active listening, I think, also means really just sitting with someone in silence. Mm. Just being present. Yeah. That's been the goal this whole time is trying to figure out how to remain present just across the board, you know, in the different groups of life, friends, colleagues, home life, Mm -hmm. without going nuts, (laughs) you know? How can I still show up and be healthy and add value? in my collective spaces. Definitely a challenge. Yeah, yeah, definitely a challenge. If someone is just in a situation right now and they're listening to this episode, one takeaway for them, what would that be? I would say reach out to others. And if there are people in in your life that you love, let them know that you love them and Mm. just keep connecting because I think isolating um, is easy to do. And it's, it's, generally very unhelpful Mm. and you know just help each other set boundaries on the news intake and encourage each other and practice gratitude I I find that I need to I need to pick full days where I'm just not interacting or engaging with the news because it's it's stressful I mean this 
situation is is heavy, right? It's yeah. collectively heavy and it's sort of an undercurrent of everything that we're doing. So limiting news is definitely important. I agree for sure. I can't thank you enough for taking a chance on a stranger. <laughs> Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. This is great. This is awesome. Thank you for what you do. All right. Thank you so much for doing a podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I'll let you go. You have a great day. You too. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you got something out of my conversation with Meg Ifrig. If you or someone you know is in need of grief therapy services, be sure to visit her site at grieftherapycenter.com or find her profile on Psychology Today. She also sent over some additional resources that you can find in the episode notes. As we begin the reopening phases of our country, my personal desire for all of us is to just not miss the lesson in all of this, to not be so rushed to get back to an old model that may not even be operable in the future, to not be stuck in a fantasy of the past, but to accept the uncertainty of the future and to adapt. I don't even really like the term new normal because we don't know what that will be. But whatever it is, it will be next. So let's loosen our grips on our plans, which have proven to fail us from time to time. And let's work to cultivate our preparation. Let's sharpen our tools, be keen observers, intent listeners and researchers. Let's not wait to be told what to think, but proactively train ourselves in how to think. Let's love ourselves show compassion to others, and be better for the future. Thanks for listening.